Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to In Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. On this episode, you'll be hearing from Julio Puente, who's teaching here in Costa Rica with me. He's my colleague. He works in the high school. I work in the elementary school. He's Mexican-American. He tells us the story of how he grew up on the border between Texas and Mexico. He discusses the differences between education in Texas compared to here, the privilege that it comes with us holding American passports, Latin culture, how big family is, and how that pairs with leaving and moving abroad from an immigrant family. Hope you really enjoy this episode. This is In Living Color, Abroad. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to In Living Color Abroad. I'm here with Julio Puente in Costa Rica. He is a colleague of mine at uh, our school. Welcome, Julio, to the show. Hola, mi gente. Saludos desde Costa Rica. How is everyone doing? He's been practicing that for a while now. <laughs> no, so, Julio, tell us just a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, well, I am 29 years old. I am Mexican-American, as I like to call myself, a Chicano. I identify myself with this culture because um, my parents were immigrants to the United States. They came from the state of San Luis and uh, Tamaulipas near the border. Most of my life I grew up in Texas and uh, I consider my ancestral roots to be Mexico, but my birthright was from the United States. So I consider myself to have dual culture and I embody both of them on every day and every way I speak, music I like, the way I dress, the things I do. They are a mixture of cultures. I consider myself a border brat, and I'm very happy about it. Dope, dope. So let's speak a little bit more about that, because in the same boat, like, I'm Dominican-American, and, like, I feel like I have both cultures as well. But honestly, in New York, like, there's Mexicans, but, like, I don't encounter that many. Like, I encounter Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. So tell us a little bit about that, like, growing up on the border between uh, Texas and Mexico. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, because when I was in college, I wrote a poem called Ni de aquí ni de allá. Not from here, not from there. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because I grew up in a predominantly Mexican-American city, McAllen, Texas, and about 99% of the population is uh, Mexican-American or Mexican first generation. So I grew up very comfortably talking Espanol and uh, getting along with everyone with a dual language, what we call Tex-Mex or uh, Pocho if you're from Mexico, right? Uh, But I found myself in a peculiar place because uh, I've been skateboarding since the age of 11, and I remember going to competitions in North Texas and people would say, oh man, you know, here comes the Mexicans. And I, I was like, all right, I get it. I, I know I'm part Mexican. But then I would go compete in Mexico, in Tamaulipas, in Monterrey, and people would say, I've been in Los Gringos. And I would find myself in this dilemma, you know, like, well, who am I? Am <laughs> yeah. I Mexicano or am I gringo? Because uh-huh. I know, and, I, and so I've always grew up with, do I like tacos or pizza more? I mean, where am I? because I go to one side and they don't accept me and I go to the other and they don't accept me. So I started adopting this like acceptance of other people who were like me. Mm. And that's where this whole Chicanismo movement grew, you know, when I was in college and found out that it's okay to be not from here, not from there, because we're from somewhere and that place is the frontera, you know, the border. Did you go to college in Texas? Yeah, I went to college in Texas and it was peculiar. I took an ethnic uh, ethnicity class in, in, in UT and it's just, so weird because there's one, one black guy in there, right? And so mm-hmm. predominantly there's one white guy, I remember him, Steven, and the rest of the people are Mexican-Americans because it was a, a class of Mexican-American studies, a minority course. And uh, it was funny, I, the professor was writing a book, I remember turning in uh, my grandpa's story because we had to do this whole roots and all that stuff. And I found out my grandpa was a bracero, he went to the States to work in the 40s and all that. And it so happened that the professor was researching the family that had sponsored my grandpa to go to the States. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I know. And so, I mean, sometimes you're not proud of where you came from, but then at the same time, I wasn't proud because no one ever told me or showed me how to be proud of being mm. brown, you know? And so that's one thing that I really have to raise my hand for my college professors and, and for the music that's still out there and for, for all those people who still embrace being from two nationalities, you know? Got it. So do you feel like it's something that you still battle with now or something that you're like, this is, you know, like I said, this is who I am and fuck the noise from the outside or whatever? I mean, Angel, it's something that we constantly battle socially, right? I mean, look mm. at our president right now. Look at the things mm. he said about my people because, yes, I might be from the States and I, I love the United States of America because of the 
things it's provided for me, mm -hmm. socially and economically. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the United States, you yeah. know? Um, but at the same time, to have people insult my culture the way that, that the last uh, presidency has, and and uh, by all means, you know, I, I think that everyone's entitled to their opinion, but mm -hmm. it's socially we do battle with this, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, not only nationally, I've been traveling abroad for a while now, and I've encountered discrimination or some sort of level of racism mm -hmm. because of the way I look. Yeah, I mean, I could uh, <laughs> I could agree with that. I'm glad you said that because same, like, even though, even uh, I feel like traveling in Latin America, and especially Spain, when I went to Spain, I encountered, like, some kind of, like, because my Spanish is not considered Spain Spanish. Spanish. Yeah, 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 real Spanish. You. So it's like, you're not from here. Like, what is the fuck are you talking? So I definitely feel you on that. So tell me more about, like, how you got into international education like how did that even happen yeah so um i mean a little bit of my career i, I started off as a special ed teacher actually mm. uh from there i eventually had actually graduated with a history major and um i always wanted to do history but i didn't know what to do with history besides being a history teacher it showed up that halfway through a school year they called me to go teach at this early college high school and i'm teaching college level courses so i went from teaching sped at an elementary level to teaching college level courses at an early college level. Mm. But what was nice was that the population at this early college was first generation Mexican Americans. So I got to identify a lot to the kids. And I think uh, we still don't see the first graduates because this was three years ago. They're gonna graduate college next year and hopefully some of them get to hear this, you know. Um, shout out to St. Saint Edwards. We have some kids out there, you know. <laughs> they're, they're doing their thing, you know, grew up in the fields like me picking fruits for the country, basically feeding mm -hmm. the country, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I started there and uh, this early college had a lot of money funding, federal funding, again, shout out to the United States government. So I, I love the country I'm from, but sometimes you have to accept that there's things to fix out there, right? Mm -hmm. But um, they, they managed to get funding to this early college high school and send me out to a lot of these trainings where I encountered teachers uh, especially one teacher in Boston who told me, yeah, I teach in Georgia. And I said, like Atlanta? And she's like, no, no, like Europe, Georgia. I was like, wait, 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 what? And so she explained to me, you know, this whole international thing yeah. got it in my veins. And uh, one year from the date, I show up to New York and I apply. In New York? In New York. Yeah, Where in New first York? First time in New York. I was in Times Square, actually. And really? I'd never been there, you know. I was intimidated. First time traveling, at least for this kind of trip, business, you know. I, yeah. I took my suit. Uh, as a Mexicano, it feels very nice to wear a suit, you know? You yeah. feel like you belong. Uh, Although sometimes you're reminded there that you're not necessarily from there, right? Uh, and I know you, you probably have experiences, but <laughs> I go there. Like you've, you've told me before off, off air, you know, 98% Anglo-American, mm -hmm. Caucasian. So I think besides me, there was other one other Mexican-American I met there, and there's close to 500 people, I'd say. Mm. And so, you know, you, you question, should, do I belong here? And then you say, well, look at your back, look at your past, look at everything you've done. And you said, this is the only place I belong. Mm. And you put yourself out there, the market's there. And uh, I guess because of my dual language or because of my good skills or maybe my good looks, I don't know. Ended up yeah, ended up uh, ended up uh, getting an interview with the director, and he said, you know, I uh, like this school, you. This school. Uh, well, I actually got a couple of offers, and oh. some of them are still waiting, which I think is is really good because really, yeah. So I'm one in Colombia saying, hey, if you're still seeing me, Eric, I'm still out here, you know. All right, Eric, you hear that, Eric? <laughs> Just <laughs> wait one more year, one more year, Eric. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, so it was nice because, um, and, and, and mad props to everyone who's out there, first of all. But uh, I did get more offers than the people that I was hanging out with, and I didn't notice I was the only person of color, you know. And I said, hey, there's a market for me out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to sell myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got this offer, they, they, they asked me to do psychology, it was something that I've actually been wanting to teach since, uh, since I got my, my uh, teaching certificate in uh, social studies. And I, I was scared to be honest with you. I mean, I traveled abroad since an early age of 30, 20, 20, well not an early age, I was about 22 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, went to Peru, fell in love with traveling. So I'd been abroad constantly and every time I would go abroad, I would extend the stay. But living abroad is something else, you know, and of that's course, what brought yeah, me out yeah, here. Yeah. I, put, I was willing to put myself out there, which is something that I feel it's not presented to Mexican-Americans, especially not in the frontera, especially not in areas where sometimes people don't believe in your talent, mm -hmm. you know? No, that's real. 
So we said how you got to international education. One thing I haven't got into with my other guests is talk about what got you into just education, period. Like, was that something that was implanted in your brain from a young age? Or like, what happened? What's that story? Yeah, man. So uh, speaking about my teaching philosophy, I mean, shout outs to Ms. Ruby, eighth grade, you know? Ruby. I don't know if you're still out there, but if you are, mad, mad props because uh, the lady taught in a way that she wanted us to know everything you know and she drilled it in us and she made me not like wanting to go to school but at the same time she mm. taught me something that i don't think many of the teachers out there taught me and that's passion the lady wanted us to learn what she was teaching because she was passionate about the subject i still remember your spiral miss ruby every friday made me cry <laughs> but you know one thing that i really liked it was that she was proud of her job Sometimes we don't get the recognition as teachers that we deserve. And, and the lady was pr proud, you know, we don't get paid sometimes what we deserve. But at the same time, I really respected her because she loved everything she did. And, um, and yeah, she, she, she really grew this love for me with history. And she's my eighth grade U.S. history teacher. Mm. Later, I go to ninth grade and I, miss, I meet uh, Miss Abbott, who is uh, my world history teacher. And she was also memorable. Um, because she always had a smile on, you know, and said, I said, man, how can people come to work every day? I mean, I had parents who work two jobs a week, you mm -hmm. know, and a day, sometimes three times a day. And it was, in, it was intense because I never met anyone who liked their job. I feel like job was a uh, work was something that you were forced to do. Mm. And Ms. Abbott showed me that you could love your job every single day. Uh, but both of these were history teachers and I think it just so happened because honestly I don't remember shit from what they taught me <laughs> about the content yeah, but yeah. I remember them as important figures in my journey to, to being an educator you know and um, I honestly think that if it wasn't for them too I probably wouldn't end up in education but I went to college not knowing what I was going to do went to play sports um, no actual major and then I met a professor there who taught the entire course with movies. The funny thing is that I remember everything he taught us, but I don't remember his name. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Honestly. I remember how he looks like, and if I would cross him across the street, I'd recognize mm. him, you know? Yeah. But that's peculiar, and I've, I've actually wondered if I forcefully blocked him or, 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 or honestly just don't remember his name, you know? Dude was so chill, and I think that's one thing I liked about him. Mm. He cared about what he did, he loved what he did, but he was very chill about what he did, you know? And um, history through movies made me learn that I can love history and actually do something about it. I decided to change my major from physical, uh, what was I, I don't even remember actually, it was in the med field. Mm -hmm. And um, I went into history and didn't know what I was going to do with it, graduated with a history degree and eventually uh, just applied for this other job that I mentioned earlier outside of SPED, but I came through it just to be the teacher that I guess I didn't have, that combination of Ms. Ruby, Ms. Abbott, and this other professor in mm -hmm, college. Mm -hmm. And shout outs also to Dr. Levingston, the whitest Mexican I've ever met. <laughs> Probably still teaching. I think he actually moved to UTSA or something. I'm not too sure. Last time I checked, he was. Dr. Hernandez, A&M, she was also great. Um, but I guess eventually I ended up being a combination of really good traits and things that I felt like I was missing when I was in school. So I always tell my kids that I try to be the teacher I never had, although I, like I did that. have a combination of these teachers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I never had one that really symbolized learning, which is really what I try to like teach my kids, right? Like loving to learn for the love of learning, period. That's real. Yeah. I feel like... And for whoever's listening, when well, you hear that right now, it's fucking raining uh, <laughs> a lot here. And my computer's getting kind of wet right now. But, uh... Do you want to move inside? Yeah, that's possible. So what you heard right there was, uh, it was raining on his balcony. And, um, I had to... I'm editing this, editing this as we speak, by the way. So as I'm listening, you're listening. So, hello, everyone's listening. Um... <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it started to rain really quickly on his balcony and, and my computer, like I was listening to what he was saying, but I started seeing little raindrops <laughs> on my Mac that I just bought. And I'm like, no, I can't have this happen. So uh, I had to quickly, we had to quickly uh, go inside to into his house. And 
Uh, yeah, and then the interview continued. It, let me just warn you, it gets really deep. And we almost got emotional. So I hope you continue listening. Uh, here we go. Now we're inside where it's nice and dry. Um, hopefully it starts raining, but no. All right, so we're talking about what inspired you to get into education, you interviewing for CDS. Now, I want to mention traveling, right? Because you said you got like, you traveled a lot. Mm -hmm. So I did not start like traveling abroad until fucking I had a job that could pay for that kind of thing, you know? So like, what got you into saying, I want to explore this fucking world? Like, what got you into that? Honestly, I, if I would trace it back, I've, I've always liked like uh, camping and sleeping outside. And mm -hmm. so uh, I remember my mom used to clean houses for uh, this guy named Bill and another guy who I don't remember. He was um, an anesthesiologist. Okay. And so they were very wealthy individuals. You know, the first time I got in a Mercedes, it was in, with them. And first time I drove a coupe was with them and all that stuff. And my mom cleaned their house for about... I'd say about close to 10 years, and they ended up calling her Nana, and we'd get invited to their parties. They always, you know, invited us out. And um, it was peculiar, because they never actually imagined, I, I grew up in a, in a mobile home. I grew up in the ghetto really? of South Texas. Wow. So uh, yeah, I grew up 10, 10 miles from the border, you know, where average income is less than $10,000 a, a year, and people live off food stamps, and you have graffiti everywhere, you know? And so these guys never actually imagined. And I remember one time Bill told me, uh, who was the, the anesthesiologist, he told me, you know what? If there's one thing I can teach you in life, he said, travel, even if it takes you in depth, because that's one of the only things that spending your money on and going in depth is worth it. That's the truth. <laughs> but honestly, I didn't have money to pay even my debt, so it's not like I'm trying to go into debt, right? Um, that's a good point. <laughs> and I think uh, uh, anyone who's ever traveled with me could attest to this, but I mean, I don't, like, I don't mind traveling rugged you know i don't mind tra yeah. traveling rough where my dad's very uh, scared of me sometimes because he knows I, i've slept in in my hammock many many times you know uh, i've slept outside borrowed people's couches i meet people on the road and and stayed with them you know wow. but so when i travel it's not like i'm trying to spend and, and mm, spend yeah, luxurious yeah. you know mm -hmm. i like to i like to travel with the people yeah. one time in switzerland i met um i met uh, my guy um and his girlfriend sarah and i remember that He's telling me that, you know, I have a, a cousin in Geneva. I have a cousin and my aunt over here in um, in Bern. And I ended up staying all over Switzerland for a, almost two weeks with the same family. You know, they weren't different. They were all different ages, but they were welcoming. And Solstice, shout out to you, you know, if you're out there. Um, and Yogi Master and all that, you know. But it's, people out there are nicer than you think. And so traveling cheap does become welcoming. But again, people like us, we don't hear these stories. So where's the motivation? Exactly right. Yeah. Hence this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to Angel too, you know, <laughs> cooking up the homie. But also, like, if you're hearing out there, you know, there's people like you, people that are, are sharing the same stories, but ultimately sharing the same skin color. Because the stories, people don't know it when they see us, you know. But the skin color is the first thing that they see. That's the truth. And, like, so you backpacked in Europe and shit like that. Were you hesitant because of like I'm a brown person? Like, like you what was your first what was your first trip? Like my my first trip was to Peru, so okay. so Peru was very welcoming. You know, yeah. I go there, I know the language. Um, my español is is muy bueno, so I had nothing Much better to worry about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So um, so I went there and it was it was very nice. I ended up doing a, a trek through the Andes for like seven seven days, I believe. Uh, the funny thing is that when I was on the trek. There was only two other brown people there. They were the tour guides. Jesus. Yeah, so I, I, I've been in that position. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We go to Latin American countries, and also yeah. there we don't get to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Um, no, it's, it's real. I mean, I got a funny anecdote. with. Uh, so I'm going to mention a person named Steven, who's our co-worker. Um, I was at uh, this bar near our house called Casa, and I'm there with uh, these four white other colleagues that I have. And... The bartender saw me that day. We leave, I go back the next day by myself. He's like, oh, so like, are you like a tour guide? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, no, yep. I saw you yesterday with, I'm like, no, I work with them. I'm a teacher. He's like, oh no, because I have a friend, like he was trying, he felt obviously a little bit bad that he assumed, but you know, he's like, oh, my friend is something, I'm no biggie. But that's the fucking real shit. Just me sitting down at a bar Having a drink, mind you, with other people is like, this motherfucker must be a tour guide. Like, there's no way you work with these people. Like, you know what I mean? So I can sense that, and especially, like, you know, going different places, like, 
you are probably one of the only brown people there besides the person giving the fucking tour. Yeah. And it's a very thing because at, at sometimes I relate more to the white people in the group because I don't know anything about what I'm seeing either. So it's not like, oh, I'm more, you know, in, in cultural things, you know, he speaks Spanish. like, I don't know this place. Where the fuck is he? Like, Costa Rica. I can't go to Costa Rica. All right, where, where is that fucking Slav, yo? Like, I'm looking at that shit too. I can't point it out. Like, where is it? You know, but everybody's more like, oh, so it's a very weird feeling to have when you especially go Latin America and you're one of the few people of color. And I, I don't know about you, I think, I'm sure you stay in hostels, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stayed in many hostels. And when you go to hostels, it's like, they're mostly European, all white people. And I'm, I'm like, where the fuck is everybody else at? Like, and do you think this is a Latin culture? I want to speak to the Latin culture a little bit because my, my, my previous guys have been black. What is, do you think something about Latin culture where it's like anything you do solo is looked down upon? Because when I tell my parents, yo, I'm going here. They're like, you don't know anybody there. Why are you going there? Why are you going to DR? Visit your family. I'm like, I fucking been to DR already. Like, I want to go to fucking wherever. They're like, you got to be careful. Mexico is this. I'm like, what are Cuba? Cuba's like that. I would and it's like, is it just my family? What do you think is a Latin thing? What do you think? I, I Telemundo, man. Telemundo. <laughs> I mean, shout out to Noticias 40, right? But they were just yeah, it, yeah, shit. No, but I mean, honestly, I mean, my, my folks grew up paranoid of all that shit that was on the news and then Primer Impacto, you know, oh my God. all that shit. And so it's, it's peculiar that you mentioned that because I've always questioned myself, where are all the brown people at? I mean, if unless I'm in Latin American countries, I don't happen exactly. to see them. And, and uh, does it bother me? Yes, but it also makes me proud that I was able to come out here. But at the same time, things like this and other things are, are, are pushing the pride out there and, and allowing more Latinos to, to explore out there. But um, to go back to, to the point is, I think it's cultural. Uh, my family moved to, to the United States when, um, like in the, in the late 80s. And, and I mean, two streets from me is my uncle. My, my grandma lives five houses down. Mm-hmm. Another tío lives a block away, you know? And mm-hmm. so it, it's this cultura about staying together, about Nana and, and Abuela being in your house until she passes away, yeah. she'll die on your couch or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's this unity which to be honest with you, now that you mentioned it, and I've, I've thought about this, but when I left Texas, I felt like I was betraying my culture because I'm leaving that that yeah. that that kind of capsule that mm-hmm. we Latinos create. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, you could be far away, but I better see you from where I'm at. Yeah, <laughs> you know, especially grandma, because if food food's ready, she's gonna call you, and yeah. and that's hard. You know, it's hard to leave in family, but it's also. I think a new age thing to be pushing out of those cultural norms yeah. and exploring yeah. ultimately. Yeah. And, it's, and it's funny you mention that because I feel like the only thing that held me back from coming here were my parents. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like, oh my job. I was like, no, like my parents are not going to approve of this. And my, I'm fucking 29 years old, but in Latin culture, that is such a huge thing. Like you approve of your own parents, you know? So like, I'm like, damn, mommy, papi, they're going to be like, you know, don't do this shit. Right. But I have to. For myself, yeah. So you saw like this either whether it's new age or just like you know evolution, or whatever the fuck. Something in both of us says we gotta go past this. Like I had a, I was in a bubble. New York City, big ass city, but I was in a bubble. I'm like I gotta get out of this bubble that is New York and see what the fuck is out there. So maybe it's the same for you in that sense, right? Being in like Texas or whatever, like you gotta like leave that bubble. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean we have to burst that bubble. I think that. Um Honestly, and to be honest with you, I don't think at this day and time it's it's actually there. Like mm-hmm. there's no actual glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. I think that we create it psychologically, you yeah. know, through through the, through the social norms, through how people behave, through what our older siblings do, which is marry at the age twenty, you know, and stay near home, and and the cousins and everyone around you yeah. is doing that thing. So. You, you don't want to also be pointed out as a weird one or the guy who's crazy, you know? Too my, late for me, but... <laughs> no, and, and what you mentioned is true, though. Like, uh, I mean, uh, I think it's too late for me, too. But, but uh, it's true. I mean, I had a family fight, and this is very deep of, of my personal thing. I had a family fight before moving out where my sister Erica, uh, who I love to death, you know, uh, she called a family meeting. A year before I moved, my mom passed. And so she felt that we were feeling, you know, life, life comes and life goes, but I've learned to accept it, but um, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, she felt that family was falling apart and she felt that, honestly, I I don't think she's ever said it, but I think she felt that me leaving 
was a coping mechanism to trying to block the mama had died, mm. you know. But it wasn't. I was doing this for mama because she worked her entire life, like I mentioned earlier, cleaning Bill's house, working at a gym, cleaning other people's clothes and picking picking stuff, work picking up recycles and trying to sell them and all that, you know. She hustled and, and I know that everything she did, she did for me. So if she gave me the gift of me, she gave me the gift of me choosing how I wanted to live my life. Mm -hmm. So by me moving abroad was me living through, my mom living through me, you know. Mm. And my sister pulled us in, family meeting, turned ugly. People were screaming, people were crying. Dad was trying to calm everybody down. And, and one thing she said, and it stuck with me, was that you don't care about the family anymore. You know, and that shit's deep because at the end of the day, it's like, who else is doing this out here? I'm trying to represent for something that's, at the end of the day, bigger, bigger than the family, which I love to death. But I'm trying to do something that is not just for me, but I hope to be an inspiration to others. And as cheesy as that sounds, if I can inspire two or three cats from the audio, that's two or three cats that weren't gonna do this. Yeah. And ultimately, if, it, if it's their choice and it's their life, they're ultimately deciding how to live it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's real deep because again, I was told, like I said, by my dad, you don't care about family. And to hear that from your parents is such a like, how can you like, how can you say that? Like, you know, and like, we grew up with our family our entire lives. Mm -hmm. Like you, like my grandmother lived on this fucking second floor. Yeah. Like I was with her more than my mom when I was a kid, you know? So it's so crazy to think that somebody that, that tells you that you don't care about family, when you're like, I'm trying, like you said, do this for like me, but our people, you know, to show like, hey, you're a Mexican in Costa Rica, I'm a Dominican in Costa Rica, you know, like, we do this shit too. We could be here as well. Yeah. It's not just for white people. Love my white people, but it's not just for you, right? It's for everybody. If you, you know, if you're gonna go at it, go at it, because it is like you said, it's possible. So let's talk about um, that family component. How do you? So you mentioned like you do, you know, you're doing this for your mom, right? So how much of that when you're here on a day to day basis do you think about like your purpose for being here? Like for you, what is your purpose of being in Costa Rica right now? It, it, I don't think that my purpose in life is necessarily staying in one place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I have a nomadic love for Mother Nature. Okay. And by that I mean that when I f think about, you know, my family and my mom especially, you know, and, and my siblings is every time I find myself in a miraculous, like, place. And it could be either in nature, which I usually do a lot, that Choro's... Um, picture that's hanging off the refrigerator that you asked me about mm -hmm. earlier and I was there with with Hannah my girlfriend and when I stood there shout outs to Hannah who's also here was literally just right here listening to this entire conversation uh, white person in the house <laughs> you know she had to make sure this is okay to say on the yeah <laughs> and you can say something Hannah doesn't have to be so awkward no okay she's gonna be quiet so yeah you know like we not only went to that waterfall i can't remember the one we were in playa Ovita, not in last year and i'd love to take you there angel mm -hmm. uh her and i were just standing looking at the waterfall and i was just thinking like this is my life mm -hmm. and, and not and not to exaggerate but i mean i wish it wasn't raining so we could take you up to our pool right. i mean we're there almost every morning and and it's a bunch of expats yeah who don't happen to be white so that's about here <laughs> oh, i'm just really? gonna say it they're all white you know and yeah. we've heard some we've heard some not so nice things being mm. said you know to the brown people here mm. uh, but the point is that you can see down to san jose valley and when i see san jose valley or when i'm in these waterfalls or when i look down from Incapunco or, or into machu picchu or the so the sun gate which is a higher mountain up there um, when i look down into a castle in lake bled when I look up to the Eiffel Tower in Paris, I said, shit, this is my life. And everything that I'm doing, I'm doing for my folks and I'm doing for me. And it gives me the shivers to think that this is me. Like the books I read about history is me living through, through these eyes and through these feet and, and through the blood that's pumping to me and through the heart that's sending everything out. That's who's living here. You know, yeah. my ancestors and, and my folks. And the good thing is that you recognize that people that look like you haven't walked through those steps. So even though you could see it's a paved road, you're leading the way for people that are like you, that share the same past, you know? And I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it brought me to this conversation because I post something on Instagram about how the purpose of this podcast, which is to get literally this kind of story onto the podcast. And I said that it was crazy to me how we don't hear the stories of black and brown people living abroad. 
and also you don't see black and brown people living abroad, right? And you mentioned something earlier, is like, you know, if you don't have, if you don't see the opportunity, where's the motivation? And a person, I won't say her name, but she is Ecuadorian. I went to high school with her. And she sent me a message saying, I think it's a lack of motivation and they don't want it bad enough. And I'm like, you, here you are Ecuadorian. Parents are Ecuadorian, you're Ecuadorian American. And you think that people of color are less motivated than white people? You think that just like the rest of us are, are the way we are, that we don't want to, that basically the old trope that we're lazy, that we don't want to do shit? How about the fact that we don't know that this is actually a thing? Yeah. We don't know that. Because if we did know, we're like, oh shit, I can live where? Dope, let's go after it. But because of privilege, if you have privilege, you see what's available to you. But if you don't, you don't see that. And I, you mentioned something about like, I think we have this in common, which I didn't know. Like you said you grew up in a fucking mobile home, which is, I came and I can't imagine what that was. But like, I grew up on food stamps, right? And I think about that. And you mentioned your mom cleaned houses. I remember one time my mom at one point in her life was going to apartment, office buildings, cleaning, and I, I went with her sometimes. And that shit made me sick to my stomach. Like I, I was embarrassed. And this was me as a 10 year old. I'm like, this is embarrassing. That my mom has to fucking clean office buildings. You know, and, I, and that always stayed with me. And one time I was in a fucking supermarket and this guy says, and this guy cursed her out. I was a kid. And she couldn't respond because she knew Spanish. And that shit ate me alive. I'm like, my mom can't respond to this man because she can't speak the language. And that literally, and that's when I knew Except like education is what I need. I need to start thinking about shit because she brought me here like for a better life at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Like I was born in America, like yeah. that, that was their goal. And I kind of fucks with my mind because it's like, but now I'm saying, let me leave America and let me go to another developing nation. Because you've earned that. Exactly right. Because of them, I've earned that. And like you said, I feel like as we, if, if, and if we earned that, right? Because it is great to be in America. It is grand. We can speak more about the privileges of just having that passport right, that says fucking the eagle <laughs> on it, right? But like, we earned that privilege to do that. Because I'm pretty sure if my passport said Dominican Republic, Scott would have been like, let's, let's think about this, right? Let's, 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 but you know, okay, what American passport? Good to go. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like it's crazy to think that, like, back to that first where they say we don't care about family, but because of them, we're able to do this. Yeah. And you would hope that they're able to see that, right? That is like, no, mom, dad, thank you. Like, because of you, I can do this. That's a very powerful thing. And I never thought about it like that until you mentioned that story. So thank you for that. You know, like, like that you mentioned that we're living through them. Um, last year in November, um, my younger sister and I, we, she, we bought our, our dad a, a ticket to come to Costa Rica my dad didn't have a passport and he just became a u.s citizen uh, so him, you know i uh, you know you know yeah. he became u.s citizen he got a u.s passport and he managed to leave the country my dad had never actually left um, the states i mean he traveled from mexico because yeah, he's course. from there right but two countries more than a lot of folks can say around the world but he had never actually traveled internationally and uh me and my sister who now has a master's you know and is working out in san antonio with the va with the government the u.s government mm-hmm. um we managed to get him down here, and I was also my younger sister's um, first international trip. But honestly, I, I wish I could have gotten that for my mama before she passed, where, uh, you know, you always dream of having a better life for them because you see the shit that they've gone through, you know, cleaning the houses, cleaning people's floors, the discrimination and all that. Um, the hard work that they put in also, especially. But it was a gift, not only for my dad, for him to be here, but for myself to have the the money and, and just the means to get him here, you know? It's a beautiful thing and he was here for five days and I really appreciated the fact that I was able to give him that because of everything he's given me. So I just wanted to add that. No, that, I think that's, I mean, that's important. And again, like I was just gonna say before you mentioned that, like I don't get too deep because I might start crying on this fucking podcast and that'll be a first and I want that to happen. Cause this how like, it can get this deep, right? When you start talking yeah. to somebody that's like, that's gone through similar things, it's like, damn, like I feel that. I feel what you're saying, and I'm like, I went through similar shit like that too. But now to a more, not lighthearted thing, but like, all right, so now you're a teacher, right? You're teaching in Texas, correct? Yes. All right, so you taught, what grade level in Texas do you teach? Uh, I taught 12th, 12th grade. 12th grade. Yeah. And I had um, also an 11th grade class, which was uh, the US EOC end of course exam uh, course, which Texas is big on standardized testing. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, yeah, I taught there for three and a half years. I thought it was about six courses in one year. It was intense, you know, personal finance, U.S. history, economics, microeconomic theory, macroeconomic theory. It's intense, you know. Damn, it's bro. a small school. You know? It's a small school, you know. I mean, I enjoy it because I enjoy teaching. Yeah. I think I enjoy talking, which is why I'm enjoying this. So, so do much. I. That's why I started this shit. <laughs> I can give myself talk. <laughs> but not I'm sure. Fit. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> no. All right. So you mentioned that you're teaching. So how would you compare like teaching in Texas to teaching and to give you guys some context about our school here? It is. It's a private school. It's a private. It's a private school. It's a for profit. For pro- Yeah. It was for profit. Tuition, can I say the tuition? That's not a big deal, right? I don't, I, I, I mean, I'll say, roughly, roughly the tuition is about fifteen to $20,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of money, I would say. I mean, I don't know for people, that's a lot of money for me. That's a lot <laughs> to of money. To put any kid to fucking That's ladies. how much my parents made a year. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Maybe, So that is, good year. That is tuition. Uh, the students here, like, have very well, well-off families. So how would you compare teaching in Texas, where you were, to now teaching here at our school? Honestly, there's some good things and then there's some, like, bad things. And, okay. the, and the way I'll put this is because, um, you know, back in Texas, I had kids who I just said they were 99% Mexican-American. And actually, the early college mm-hmm. school, who we managed to get into the top 100 uh, schools gold-rated in the country within four years of its existence. And I'm very proud of it because I was there for three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's interesting that you point that out because they, they came from 16,000 and under families a year. So also first-generation wow. college goers. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about moving to a school where you're paying that much, at least, yeah. per year. Wow. And they're seventh generation college goers. I mean, some of these kids might even have a school name. They're after the last. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, so it's well, possible, it's, right? It's quite it's possible. possible. And um, uh, you know, it's it's just it's intense that you have such a different backgrounds. But at the same time, the sad part is that I've really found that the kids have a lot of the same problems. You know, the lack of parents because they're working too much. Um, and that's something interesting. But the good thing is that when I'm teaching history, especially U.S. history or world history, I can mention places around the world. And half of the class has been to them. Now, it was very different because I was in a classroom, even as a student, where the teacher would mention somewhere. And I'm like, well, how do you eat that? You know, I never heard of certain <laughs> names like Carthage and stuff like that, you know, like yeah. Athens. And I'm very lost. But these kids have been there last week, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, so the population in the background is very different. I enjoy it. I really enjoy, I enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's positives and cons. Um, how would you say now, you like quality of life? Because I think about that. Right. I think a lot of if anyone's listening and you're thinking about like you know living abroad, whether it's teaching or just living abroad. So, how would you compare quality of life in the U.S. to here in Costa Rica now that you've been here a year? It's peculiar. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. I know that. I know that in uh, the U.S. I was getting paid more, uh, and I enjoyed my life plen- plentifully. You know, like, like plenty. <laughs> I would go out every weekend and stuff. But moving down here to Costa Rica, even though I get paid less, um, I love my life, man. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't deny it. I mean, I have a beautiful girlfriend, and I have a beautiful apartment, and yeah, she's pretty a, nice. I have a yeah, you know. And and uh, we live very nice here, and we're we're doing almost things every weekend that I get surprised that I'm doing, you know. And again, every time I do it, I'm like, Jesus! I look at me and I say, This is who's doing it, you know. And it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I, I, even though this is like living abroad with color, that's the name, right? That's the name. In in living color abroad. Sorry, I don't want to. You messed it up. It is all I don't want to advertise the other podcast. <laughs> yeah, the which other is very one. Similar, yeah. You know? <laughs> And, Do the uh, same shit. Yeah, we have five episodes now. Ah! I'm not hating on Damn, you. Damn, bro, can you stop? <laughs> <laughs> not hating on you. Now, uh, you know, it's very nice living out here. It's it's. Uh, I live a bougie life out here, and it's rather enjoyable. I I get to go out and do things that then, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the local native doesn't get to do. Uh, I get to mingle with with the upper classes, and that's rather interesting. Because even though I'm here in Costa Rica, when I was in Texas, I ran a nonprofit. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. running a nonprofit, Miracle Kids of South Texas. Shout out Antonio and Ignacio. You're still out there doing it. Um, Fifteen years and running. When I left, we were about seventy seventy five thousand uh, dollar budget for the year. We got special sponsorships and all that. When I started, we were at twenty thousand. I left as a wow. treasurer, so I was very proud of that. Um, 
So I got to mingle with mayors and stuff like that from the cities that wanted to use our nonprofit for, for political propaganda. <laughs> exactly. I just, I'm going to call you out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they showed up, take a picture with our kids, and then and, leave. Uh, you know, it, like if you're going to show up, play with them, be yeah. with them. Uh, Miracle Kids of South Texas was a nonprofit for kids with disabilities and all that. Mm. So I, I had mingled with them in the States. By that, I mean the upper class, a class that I didn't grow up in, a class that to them it was something that was prevalent through the cycle of life, their parents were in it. Um, and I was the new guy in town, you know? And so here, it's also awkward because you're also the new guy in town, but at the same time, you learn to appreciate it. I mean, me and you were just at uh, Old West, <laughs> uh, which is a very nice bar down here in, in Santana. And right across the street, there's another place. Um, it's a, it's, what's that? Town center, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very bougie there. And yeah. we can go there and spend money on a day and be like, okay, we're out. Yeah. But the typical person doesn't get to enjoy that. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's very... And that's kind of like a mind fucking away too. Oh yeah. Because like, wait, we're we're people of color too, but we're getting to do shit in your country that you don't get to. Yeah. Do. So and that's his own kind of privilege with the American passport. Uh-huh. Thing. Yeah, no. yeah. And I mentioned the Peru story earlier, where yeah. the only other brown persons were the tar- the tour guides. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, honestly, yeah. But at the same time, I feel, and I want to really express this if you allow. I feel that everything we have. You mentioned the passport. You mentioned the eagle. At the same time, I think our founding fathers can live the true American story through us. I mean, there's slavery and all that shit, yeah. I'm not gonna apologize for any white person because they did what they did, you know? (laughs) But I also don't wanna hold any of them accountable for the past of America because at the same time, we have evolved as a society that has allowed people of color to get the same education as someone who doesn't share our color mm-hmm. and who others might consider privileged just because of the lookings of their skin. Mm-hmm. And so I want to point this out because at the end of the day, we are the epitome of the American dream. We are the folks who went there, like you can call it Alexander Hamilton, who came from the Indies, you know, uh, Lin Manuel, who came from Puerto Rico yeah. and, uh, and is the impersonator of uh, Hamilton <laughs> yeah. and all of these raps. But we are the epitome of the American dream because. Our parents went there and through hard work, just like any other generation through American history, has allowed us through the meritocracy, through the system of government that enables us to get educated and and, and really rise up the ranks. And ultimately, I am living a bougie life because I am really working through my dreams. And those dreams are also what many would call the American dream. Some people say it's dead. I say it's alive. Mm. But mm. you just have to wake up and start living it. Mm. You know? that's, that's, that's it. I think that'll be it for an interesting uh, debate and discussion as far as like the American dream. But I, I do share similar sentiments in the sense of like I, when I went to college, my parents were obviously poor. So we got grants, like yeah. federal grants, federal money, Pell grants. And this paid for my tuition and also gave me money in yeah. my pocket. So I'm very grateful. Uh, pay those US, taxes US, any day. U.S. government for <laughs> giving money to go to school because without that, I don't know if I would have done it. And I went to a regular ass uh, city university in New York, but I got my bachelor's in music, and then now I'm here. So I agree, and in some way that is the American dream because my parents came here so we could do better, and I'm doing better. Yeah. Through education. Funny things we left the country though. And exactly, and I think, but I think it's important to also say right to your point. <laughs> I think that's not to say that we can't shit on it because we could shit on it. I mean, because things that are happening now are just not, it's, in, it's insane what's happening in the country right now. So, but that's just to say what it could be, which is this, right? Like yeah. this story right here is a part of the American dream. And I think our own personal, like, I say the American dream and the, the, the immigrant dream, right? Uh-huh. The American dream of like, you know, you come for you, but like the immigrant dream of like, I want better for you so that, so you could do better and therefore you will do better. And here we are, in, our, in my opinion, doing better for ourselves but in turn for our families. And that's that pride, that Mexican pride, that Dominican pride, because I kind of share every, everywhere I go. When I speak Spanish, you know this is a Dominican diet that's coming out. Yeah, yeah, when I speak Spanish, is a Mexican diet that's coming out. So I think we care, even if we wanted to like, let's say, fuck that, we can't say that. Because out of the way we look, the way we speak, it's always prevalent, uh-huh. you know? And also the American side is also prevalent as well. Like you said, like, you're right, this shit is bougie as fuck, and she reminds me <laughs> of an apartment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn right now. That shit is fucking dope. That so should be over $5,000 right now this apartment in, you know, in New York City. But, like, we're afforded this kind of lifestyle due to that American dream, and I feel, in, in some respects, that American passport. 
Because I think that shit does carry oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, weight. Yeah. It carries weight. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I have dual citizenship, first mm, of all. That's great. And, and uh, <laughs> most of the time, 90% of the time, I do present my American passport because it has privileges that, that my other one doesn't actually enjoy. That's a good point. And so I, I do agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I, I like to just add that weight to the passport, you know, because mm. it did give us what, what, what we have. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's weird because you also get looked at different once they don't necessarily say, oh, he's Mexicano or he's Dominican. He's yeah. actually American, you know. Very true. Once you whip that one out, <laughs> like, what like, you got to say now? Damn, as <laughs> an equal, you know, it's a, yeah. it's 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 yeah. very different, you know. Especially, I, funny story that you mentioned the passport. So here we go. I was flying back to Costa Rica this last uh, summer break, and out of Mexico, I forgot to get my stamp on my passport, and I forgot my Mexican passport. Mm. So. Um, the lady at the aduanas is gonna stamp my passport. I've been in line for 45 minutes, almost missing my flight. I get to the desk, which, which I opened the, 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 the podcast with about my poem. Mm-hmm. I go up to her and she says, I told her, you know, this is very strict. I'm very stressed. I've been here for a while. And then she takes out her cell phone. The guy at the entrance had told everyone online not to use her cell phone. So I make a joke. I said, hey, be careful. Nah. You don't want the guy at the door getting your cell phone. And she said, which guy? And I told him, well, the guard, like, he told everyone not to use a cell phone. And she's like, I work here. And I hold the power to let you go out of my country or not let go. And I told her, pardon, pardon, pardon. Like, I'm also Mexican. I just happened to forget my passport. And she said, where were you born? And I said, San Juan, Texas. And she said, oh, you're one of those. You guys think you're better than us. Mm. And so, uh, you know, once she knew, even though I was yeah, talking yeah, to her yeah, in Mexican yeah, yeah, Spanish, yeah. which a lot of you might not know, but Spanish is very from, depending where, yeah, course, where you're from, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, and I was just baffled by the whole situation. I just couldn't understand why, first of all, she was acting like that. And second, she insulted me because I was an American. Mm-hmm. You know, when most of my life and everywhere I go, unless I have that passport out, I'm a Mexican. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. And I think, I, I don't know about you, but I can say for myself, I think subconsciously at some level, I feel like, yeah, I am American. Fuck this shit. I ain't like you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I sometimes, surreal. I, I feel like sometimes, sometimes, I think, because you know what I think about privilege? Privilege is crazy. Especially when you come from a, of an oppressed place. You want that privilege. Who wouldn't want that? Privilege means you have things that others don't, right? So you award, you award certain things. So I think subconsciously, a part of me is like, yeah, I'm fucking brown, and this shit kind of sucks sometimes. But it's like, you know what? If I got to whip out that Trump car for lack of a better term, I'm whipping that shit out. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm fucking American, you better not fuck with me. You know what I'm saying? And like, in the, but it's kind of like a fucked up mindset in one way because it's like, do that, is that what I feel to like feel good about like my skin color, right, in, in certain aspects? And like, I said that story where I was in DR one time, I was waiting for a motoconcho, which is a motorbike, to go back to the house I was staying at. And he was like, your Spanish is strange. He's like, where, where are you from? Hey. I'm like, I'm like, I'm Dominican. He's like, where were you born? I'm like, no, nah, I'm like, I'm, and I had to say, Origen Dominicano, pero nací en Nueva York. Oh, like I was born. You have to explain. I have to explain it. It's like Dominican origins, but I'm born in New York. He's like, oh, he's like, so you're American. I'm like, yeah, but like my parents are Dominican. He's like, yeah. He's like, so you're not really Dominican. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, I consider myself Dominican though. Like I grew up in Dominican culture. Like grew up speaking Spanish since mom was born. He's like, yeah. He's like, but you're a New York Dominican. That's different. And I was like, okay, like. And then I thought, like, so kind of a similar interaction, like, I'm like, what's the point of fighting this guy on that? He obviously is more, pri- he's prideful about his Dominicanness, right? And like, that lady, maybe her Mexicanness. And like, us as Americans, because we are Americans, have a privilege. We, because it's kind of like, I guess, some appropriation in some way, right? Because I'm saying, wait, wait, but I have Dominican, but Dominican origin. Because I was born in New York City. And he's like, fuck you, bro. You born in New York City with all this American privilege and you try to come here and tell me that you're the same as yeah. me? Yeah. No, you're not. So I'm like, I respect that. It's like, maybe this, this, maybe this guy is right. I still feel Dominican, but guess what? I wasn't born when this guy was born. I was born more privileged than he was. That's when I was a kid. I used to go to DR and hate going to DR because she was poor as fuck. And here I grew up in New York with TV and the light wouldn't go out and this shit wouldn't be hot, you know? And like, I'm like, fuck this country where I'm from. But then when I went back as an adult, I appreciate it more. I'm like, because that's where my parents came from, right? All right. So now you're co- now let's go. Now you're in Costa Rica, right? Now you're teaching all this stuff. What would you say to people that are like you and I, 
or there's any person of color, of like, you should teach abroad because, or you should live abroad because. Um, you should live abroad because if you were meant to stay in one place, you would have grown roots. And so I just think that people you need that to. You wrote yourself, or no, 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 <laughs> Confucius, man, Confucius. <laughs> Confucius. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> Shit. That's, that's some good minds right there. Uh, guy wasn't brown, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about people because they yeah. Confucius, but all right. We'll cut hey, this part hey, out. Hey, now. I mean, <laughs> the Aztecs had some books, but they that, all burned them. That, so, yeah, that's true. You know, true. so, no, I mean, true, true. no, but, but for real, going back, to, going back to that point, you should live abroad because you're not meant to stay in one place. That's why our folks didn't stay in one place. I mean, if our folks reprimand us for moving, then what are their folks going to say about that? That's a good point. I never thought. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think our folks started a trend for us of being that general. I was first generation. I don't know if you share yes, that with me. I mean, they share that with us. They share the, the eagerness to go and find a better life. They share the eagerness to go and enjoy life somewhere else. I'm not saying that I was not enjoying it back in Texas, but what I'm saying is if I can live a more plentiful life doing the things that I love by moving, then why not do it? And so I would say you should uh, work abroad or you should live abroad because if you feel it, it's for you. What's some reasons to not live abroad? Because I think that you said it, it might yeah, not yeah, be for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it might not say? be for you. And yeah. I've encountered, you know, people who it might not be for, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, if your, comfort, uh, if your comfort zone lives within an eight-mile radius, if you've never traveled alone and you're scared of, of, of even going to a city bar by yourself, mm. I don't think this stuff's for you because mm -hmm. this shit takes a lot of courage, a lot of individualism. It takes a lot of uh, balls, for the lack of the better words, or ovaries, you know? Mad, mad let's, be, proud let's, be equal, let's be equal here. Let's be equal. The girlfriend's sitting right here. Yeah. <laughs> She's been holding a hammer to my head <laughs> yeah, basically. in case I insult any more white people. <laughs> Nah, I jokes aside, no, yeah, I think that they should move abroad because it's something that they should do, you know, it's, it's, it's something that people should, but at the same time, if it's not for everyone, you should understand that, again, if your life is very close to you, if it's encapsulated, if you've never really ventured out there, if this is the first curiosity you have, I would say test the waters, you know, travel abroad by yourself, go to the town next to yours and chill at a bar by yourself where no one knows you and, and learn how to cope with that. Uh, because I honestly think that loneliness or being alone is only a physical state because an emotional state being alone you are with yourself and that's a moment that, uh, that it's intimate and learning how to go into that intimacy and tapping into it is something that you need to do before you learn to move abroad because here even though you're gonna be surrounded by people for miles and miles and miles and miles, no one's gonna know you. No one's gonna know your story. And so ultimately, if you're okay with that, with you being the only one who knows your story, um, then you should move abroad. But if not, I think that, I'm not saying this is not for you. Growth mindset, mm -hmm. Carl Swag, shout out. <laughs> this is not for you yet. So go and and, learn the ways by backpacking or, or again just going to the bar next town and then learning how to be alone because it, it's hard out here you know thankfully i met yeah. this uh yeah. beautiful young lady he's not alone anymore yeah. sorry ladies he's <laughs> 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 not alone anymore even if we're having this fucking podcast he's not alone as we speak but <laughs> no but i'm glad you mentioned that especially like the solo travel thing because i think that the one part about like living abroad, and again, I've only been here a month, you, you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but you gotta be okay with like that mindset of it, of like, you gotta be okay at your local bar by yourself. And especially like coming, I come from a place like New York City where nobody knows who the fuck you are anyway. You can be a tourist <laughs> and no one will fucking know, yeah. right? And you can look like anybody, like this motherfucker might be from here or he might not, who knows, right? But like, you gotta be okay with that. Cause you said, it might be lonely or you might be just alone. Uh -huh. And that is a mindset like you're talking about. And if you can be okay with solitude, then you can do this shit. Because like you said, this shit, obviously me coming here, this shit was, and it still is, like it's hard to get used to. Like it's kind of like slow down pace of life. But I'm like, this is what I need. Like for myself to the growth mindset, I need this kind of shit where I could be alone with my thoughts 
and do things that are productive, like this podcast, right? Like where I'm like talking to people that are like-minded and doing shit that, you know, that I'm doing on the same boat or people that are like thinking about it. Because I wasn't always this way. I'm like, because I consider myself to be very sociable. And I think you guys are very sociable as well. And I think you you got to be that way in a way. I don't think you can be like a fucking crab yeah. and be in a box. And you can't do it. No, I, I think that um, I've seen those crabs get their legs crabbed up. Like, yeah. it, it just, it's not for you. And, and if you don't know how to come out of that shell, um, you're going to get eaten up by your own self-unawareness. And by that I mean is like you put pressures on you socially that you that you think are there but don't necessarily exist, and you go mm-hmm. under this like cloud mm-hmm. of of stress because you think you don't belong. But at the same time, it's like none of the other people that you might be around with, especially in the international community for teaching, they also has the first time here, you know. But if this is your first time ever abroad or this is your first time ever traveling alone, mm-hmm. it it's gonna feel like a box, you yeah. know. And so I, I think that. You have to learn how to how to do that, how to be alone, and and how to be okay with it. I think some of the best times, at least where I've learned about myself, is when I am alone. Yeah. That's that's real. And uh, now there's one thing I haven't done in the podcast, and it's good that because you know you're living here, I'm talking to you right here, and your girlfriend is literally sitting across here, very quietly observing all of us <laughs> into this conversation. But what is it like to meet someone? Right, to date, because you guys are dating, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm correct about this, okay, good. So, <laughs> we're just friends. <laughs> no, they're just friends, she lives here. But no, so like, you guys are dating. What is it like to date? Because she's, um, she's also an expat as well uh, from the States. And what is it like to date someone else while being abroad? Because you guys live here. This is now like your home, right, for now. So what is that like? Like, tell us more about like dating in another country. Well, I mean, I think it goes, uh... It goes like this. First of all, I mean, you've probably already figured out, audience. She's not of color, so yeah. uh, if you haven't, uh, you kind of do want. My last. Yeah. yeah, I think the last also, gave it away. Also, because if we were talking about the um, the white jokes, you know, yeah, so really I said, white I, jokes she's holding a like, hammer over my head. So. We'll leave. We'll leave this joke. <laughs> no, but so she's not of color, so I, I think it's it's a first time, first personally that I I I, I date. Um, can I can I go home a true American or at least in the eyes of society, you know, what they would think of a true or like a looking American, you know, okay. not your traditional Latino that lives over there or a white person, a white person, you know. So I don't want to go there. I don't know. I think, I think twenty twenty. Per- it's twenty twenty. I think white person's okay. Okay, okay. Twenty twenty, <laughs> man. PC over here. They didn't know white person. Mind you, she's still here. So yeah. so, um, it's weird dating people abroad because uh, we're first of all. Again, she's white. I'm brown. Yeah. So I've I've noticed certain things that I think she's she's noticed too, um, which is a lot of times I think that people do uh, look at us like different, you know, and it's like weird. But we've also encountered many other couples that are like us. You know, mm. her friend Jenna was also with Caesar, who was also brown, except he was Costa Rican, mm. and so I was uh, I was I'm Mexican, but Mexican American was born in the states. Yeah. So it is weird dating here uh, because. Both of us are not from here, but mm-hmm. apparently when we get on any Uber, they think I am from here and she's not from here. That's one of the first things they think. <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I'm also not from here. Yeah, you know? And yeah. so they're like, oh, okay, so where are you from? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they always try to guess Colombia or Mexico usually, um, but it's just, it's just different. At the same time, it's, it's also good because at least Hannah and I, we like to do a lot of the same things, which all have enabled us. And this is something I recommend to expats who are living abroad. Um, we venture in to do our individual things. I play soccer here, third division. We practice yoga, we skateboard, um, and uh, we do another thing called acro yoga. It's acrobatics and yoga. So we venture in with locals, you mm. know, and, and, and that's good because um, sometimes even though you move abroad, a lot of expats live in that shell mm-hmm. and they don't venture out with the locals. And that's one thing that I think Hannah and I love doing. Uh, and which is nice because also it, it makes her Spanish get, get even better, you mm. know. And they might start to believe that she's from here. What's that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, everywhere she goes, she used to teach in Guatemala. Can I say, can I talk about you? Uh, she, she said no, but... All right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, she used to live in Guatemala before here for a year. So whenever we get on Ubers, I say, oh, I'm from Mexico. And she usually says, I say, I'm Chapina. And so they look in the mirror and they're like, what the fuck? Chapina is what exactly? Guatemalan. Oh, Guatemalan. Yeah, yeah. Chapina? Yeah, Chapina is like ticos here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, Chapinas. 
So she says, I'm Chapina. And they look at her and she says it in Spanish, you know, she mm. talks, talking, she starts talking Spanish and I, they're like, no, I'm from New York, you know, it's so, like, <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, they didn't believe her, but of it, course, they yeah. slow for a second. But yeah, because yeah. Guatemala is such a random country to say uh, you're from and also it. say Chapina, which is obviously a term. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. she likes to wear this Guatemalan bag. And so uh, it's really, it's really, it, and a lot of them are, and we have all this decor, you know, uh, um, and it's just, yeah, um, yeah, it's very odd, you know, being in a country where people think you're from there and your girlfriend's not yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you're both not from there so but again I, I, I invite everyone who moves abroad to also move outside of the expat community because I know not only teachers might listen to this if you move abroad move outside the expat community because again when I mentioned if we were meant to stay still we'd grow roots um, you know this is a, a tree or some flowers that need to get pollinated by different bees and by that I mean by different ideas you know mm. culturally and socially because that's why we, we go abroad. Yeah, and I think to that point where, like, I think if you go abroad to just be around people that are, like, from the States, you're not really going to get that full experience like you said, right? Oh, yeah. And it's like, there's just there's just no way. Like, you're going to be in a box, and you're probably not going to enjoy as much or get the most out of it, right? Even though you did do a big move of uh, living abroad. Um, but, yeah, I think... And we covered, a, we covered a lot, yo. We, went, we did cover a lot. We, did, you know? we went deep. We went, we went pretty fucking deep. There, hey, right? I was on the brink of crying. So was I. I had to stop myself. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the brown people out there doing it. You know, yeah, shout out yeah. to the people of color because yeah. although we are from, from America, we have to represent our roots, you know. And this tree has grown. Para la raza. Para la raza, <laughs> you know. This tree has grown its branches. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Julio. Um, as you heard, we got pretty deep. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but it was very great talking to him, just speaking to someone, again, that's also Latino as well. We can speak about this Latin culture, how that affects us, right, positively and negatively in some ways, right, especially when you hear about the family component. Um, and that was just great. That was great to, to do that. And again, it's not good for you, it's good for me. <laughs> this talks helps me a lot. I hope, But I hope, like Julio said, Hopefully inspires just anybody out there. You know, if you're listening, you know, if you're a person of color or not, honestly, because again, it's about living abroad and that brings its own uh, difficulties wherever you are. But yeah, I hope you got something out of this. And yeah, tune in next time. I'm not going to say home and have on because I don't know. <laughs> so we're going to see. Uh, it'll be a surprise, I guess, for you and myself. Uh, but yeah, this was In Living Color Abroad. Check you out till next time. Peace out. <laughs>